0: Good morning. Yeah, Pastor Adam is right. We just got back from our mission trip yesterday about 5 p.m. And so uh, as we went down to Houston, and uh, we were working with a couple local ministries down there, and if you, if you were in front of the TV at all this, this past week, then you knew that we had something crazy headed towards the, uh, the Texas East Coast, and they gave it a name by the name of Cindy, right? And it was a, it was a tropical storm, and Tuesday, Governor Abbott had, had declared a state of emergency for the Texas East Coast. And so I'm looking at that and I was like, "Oh lord, that's not that's not good. That's actually bad things and we want good things to happen, right?" And so and so we're looking at at the weather and it wasn't necessarily the rain I was scared of. You know, that that's no big deal. It was the flooding, to being being stuck in Houston. My wife is is from that area originally and when it rains, it just floods in Houston. And if there's there's I'd rather be stuck at a number of different places other than Houston. You know, I would I'd take the DMV, you know. You Waterberg know, is pretty good. to Be stuck at not 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 Houston though, and so and so we started praying. I sent out a, a, an email to all the parents, just letting them know that. That hey, you know, your, your student safety is our first priority. That that safety, you know, will never the, the plans will never precede the safety. And uh, and so we let him out. And I also said, hey, I need y'all to start praying that this storm would go, that the Lord would just have its hand on it. And so I'm looking at at the the, the radar Wednesday as we're about to head out 6 a.m. on Thursday, and uh, and I'm looking at it, and it's grim. It's just like you know that the spinny thing of death going to hit the East Coast, you know, and you know, it's not good. And I'm having flashbacks like Hurricane Ike and Katrina and all these terrible things. Like, oh man, this is gonna be bad. And so we're praying and I go to bed and I wake up the next morning and we're all loaded up. And we put all of our luggage in, in, in you know in, in trash bags. We put it on the back of the truck and we head out. And it, we were about an hour away out of Houston when we started sprinkling a little bit. It's like, oh man, here it comes. It's gonna it's gonna just pour down on us. And we get into Houston, there's no rain. We go and we do our first ministry project and we come out, there's no rain. We began to look at, the, at the, the radar, and and what happened was, is there was a cold front that came through that pushed that Cindy lady out. They should have changed the name to Felicia because we said bye, right? And so. It, it was crazy, but we had, we had no rain. It was awesome. The first day was cloudy, and it felt nice. The second day was ultra hot and nasty, but there was no rain. It was awesome. You know, we, we, we worked with the Houston Food Bank on Thursday, and we were able to feed over 1,000 families with what we did that day, just kind of serving over 2,000 pounds of food that we helped sort and give out. Our young people did that. On Friday, we were able to partner with the local ministry. We went to an apartment complex, and we were able to go door to door and invite them to an event that the church we partnered with was putting on. And, and at that event, a lot of my students were a little nervous about going and knocking on people's houses and, and things like that. You know, for anybody, that, that's kind of weird. You never know what's on the other side of the door. It could be very adventurous and fun if you like that kind of thing. But if you don't like people and you're, you're an introvert, you know, it could be terrifying. And so, you know, we're knocking on doors and inviting people to come down. And then praying for somebody is a huge thing. And so we had these people come down. And there was this one girl who was, who was, a, she was a teenager, senior in high school. And she was in a wheelchair. And she was just beginning to share with our team that every day she she battled depression and and, and thoughts of suicide. And she just was sharing that, you know, I don't feel like I have much purpose. I'm stuck in a wheelchair. I, I don't, I don't, man, I don't feel like God's got anything for me. And we begin to look at her, and I watch my students begin to minister and pray for this girl. And just begin to speak life into her. And then they tell her, hey, look, they sent an entire group from Dallas. God loves you so much. And you put 19 teenagers together in a van. We stink, we hot, and we're here praying for you. And just begin to speak that life into her. And Watching the, that, that girl light up in the community around and just really feel the love of God. Let me tell you, your young people are on fire for Jesus. You watch the climate change in Cedar Hill based on on these young people it was amazing we we were at the hope and life conference at Lakewood Church got some great ministry moments and let me tell you something i've done youth trips and led mission trips all over the world and you deal with different groups of people and you usually always have a couple people that are late to things don't want to follow dress go with a bellyache about doing stuff and let me tell you your students had none of that this weekend it was amazing and let me tell you in the midst of that unity the lord can go forth and ministry flows freely so we had an awesome time thank you so much for covering us in your prayers man made it there and back we didn't lose a student but they came back different and so that's what we were after so our young people are awesome and amazing and we're going to jump into the word today and if you got your bible get it out and get it on we're going to be in acts chapter 16 but before we we get there i want to pray over us and then and then we'll jump straight into the word. so bow your heads with me all across the sanctuary as we pray jesus we love you father god i thank you lord Lord Jesus, that, that in, in the little things, Father God, you care about us. Lord Jesus, that, that you're big enough to move a storm, Father God, something that was a hundred percent chance you were able to change it in an instant. And Father God, that, that you shifted an, an entire, you know, weather system so that one girl could hear about your goodness and your love. That Father God, how much more would you do it for us? So I pray today, Lord Jesus, that Father God, that you'd cut through the fat and the callousness, Father God, that we sometimes carry. Lord Jesus, you just pierce us right down to the softest of hearts, Lord. Father God, we have a moment just to be real with you. Jesus, meet us right where we're at. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Oh, Summer's in full effect, and I've got two kids, and that's crazy. I like when they go to school, right? Summer for me is like, ah, because they're... Like, you know, for my wife especially. But summer's in full effect, and I got a five and a seven-year-old. My son goes to school this August, and, and I'm not really sure about that. Hispanic boys or mama's boys. That's just the way we are. I am still, right? And so and so that's, that's the way we are. And so my son is real attached to my wife. And, and with my daughter, I kind of felt like she was ready for school. And with him, I'm like, bro, he ain't going to make it. You know, so I'm praying over him. Have him doing push-ups, you know we're watching mma videos together he's learning the guillotine so i'm like all right that's how you do it you know get that mickey mouse on the floor and choke it out son you know uh, so so i'm mentally preparing him for the you know the, the wiles of public school you know and so so anyways we, me and my wife we're, we're talking we knew this day would come and we'd said we said hey before he goes to school we want to do a big family vacation and so we've been saving up and saving up, and we took our family to Disney a couple weeks ago, right? And so Disney World was awesome, and they say it's the most magical place on earth, and I believe it is if you don't have to pay for it. Hey. Yeah. Man, it, it, it is magical because money just, pfft. Mickey Mouse does a magic trick, give me that debit card, pfft. gone, right? I was like, man, Mickey, you, you awesome, right? And so we loved it. We did the Magic Kingdom, and we did all these all these crazy things that I had never been. And everybody makes fun of me, so I'd never ever been. I thought Epcot, right, the the big ball, the, the golf ball thing. I thought everything was in there. I know everybody's still laughing at me. I thought everything was in there. And so, get, as I, it's kind of small. So, anyways, it was it was an awesome time. And my wife had had Googled and studied all these Disney hacks and stuff. And one of the best things. She did. She did a number of great things, but probably the best thing she did is because if, you, if your kids are like my kids, everything they see, they want. It doesn't matter what it is. I want that. I want that. I want it. Right? And so I was like, we're going to put it into that right now. And so she bought them gift cards. She said, here's your gift card, and here's your gift card. You got a little bit of money on it. Anything that you want that fits on a gift card, you can have. And so the kids looked at it with power, like, oh, yes. My daughter's a lot like me. The first thing she saw, she wanted it. I want it. I can't live without it. I need to have it. And so I'm telling her, was like, Anaya, baby, just wait. This is the first stop. Let's see what we've got. And my son is very strategic with what he buys, right? So he's like, I've only got a little bit, but if I get a small thing, I can get lots of them, right? So it's probably day three of our trip, and uh, and they had bought some stuff, and my daughter had bought a, a princess doll that lights up and sings and spins and does all this stuff, and by the time we made it from the park to the hotel, I had ripped the batteries out of it and threatened to snap it in half, because it just kept singing, let it go, let it go, let it go. It's like, no, 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 we're gonna let it go out the window, right? And so no, 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 I ain't having that. My son bought all these little cars and he's playing with them and uh, and it was great. And we get back to the room and, and we're dead tired. You know, we walk like 100 miles. And so so we're dead tired and my feet are throbbing, you know, and I've got old man pains now. And I'm like, oh, I remember a day when those weren't true. And so and so I'm laying there and, and you hear the kids, you know, Aah. and for a moment you're like, ah, just let them be, they'll figure it out. You know, and then you hear it again, Aah. and I'm like, Myrna, you got to get up and do something. <laughs> She's you got to get up and do something. I was like, all right, paper, rock, scissors. You know, I say, if I'm asleep, I can't play. So I win. And so, anyway, so, so we, we hear them arguing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And all of a sudden, I hear this phrase that many parents are probably familiar with. And I hear my daughter say, that's not fair. And after that phrase, I hear screams, bah! and they start like going at it. Show up, and I walk out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're baby M&A, and pop, 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 you know, I was like, get off her, get away, what are you doing? And she looks at me, she's like, Daddy, it's not fair. I was like, what do you mean it's not fair? What are you talking about? It's not fair to you a bed, right? And so I was like, come on, it's not fair, I'm not getting to take a nap. And so, so I said, what's not fair? She's like, Daddy, Uzziah has five cars, and I only have one doll. And I said... Okay, you've got one doll that cost you all of your gift card. He bought five things that cost him all his gift card. And she's looking at me. I was like, do you understand? She's like, yeah, daddy, I need a bigger gift card. I was like, no, you don't need a bigger gift card. You don't need a bigger gift card. You need to understand that he chose to spend his money differently than you. And a lot of times in life, we can do that as adults. As adults. We can begin to start cruising Instagram and Snapchat, and we'll start watching everybody's stories and say, that's their third vacation this year. That's not fair. Gosh, what are they doing? You begin to look at that stuff and say, you forgot about the vacation you took two weeks ago, but you're like, they're on their third. And you begin to look at that stuff and say, it's not fair. And that's the title of today's message. Look to the person next to you and say, it's not fair. Look to the other person and say, it's not fair. And I'll tell you something that's not fair. I'll just be honest with you guys right now. It's not fair to look this good, and y'all don't have to. It's not, that, it's not fair. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Favor, favor ain't fair. That's all right. No, but, but a lot of times in life, we can look at it and say, it's not fair. We'll look at things and, and say, Lord, that's not fair. How come they get to do that and I don't? Sometimes it feels like life conspires against you. How many of you guys have been there? Where all of a sudden it feels like all the creation has gotten together at a meeting, and they put your picture on the wall and say, all right, there he is. That's who we're getting. Who, who's got the car battery this week? I got car battery, right? All right, now, now who's going to be the, the lady putting on her makeup on the freeway that's going to break chicken? He's going to crash into the back of her. Oh, that would be me, right? And so it's, sometimes it feels like there's this, this giant plot against you. That all of a sudden the third week in July is like your week. They're going to let you have it. That they've plotted it all out for you. And sometimes it feels that way. You get there and you go to turn on your car and it. <laughs> oh, are you serious? <laughs> oh, that's the worst when it just does that because <laughs> then you know like oh who left the light on all right? And then you go swap out the battery or you try to jump and it still doesn't work. You're like oh god. And then if, if anybody I do this all the time we get to calculate how much it is. I was like, oh, battery's $125. It's probably not just the battery. It's the battery terminals, too, an extra 80 bucks. You know, I started calculating it. And before you know it, I'm super mad. And then I look at people, it's not fair that his car works and not mine, right? And so, I don't like you, dude. What's wrong with you? And, and a lot of times we can get in that. There's, just, there's this moment where, where I felt, I've never felt creation hated me more. I honestly thought God just was out to get me. It was one spring in, in, in West Texas. I love to hunt and fish. There's three things in my life that I love, and there's subpoints under each one of these things, and it goes in this order. Number one is Jesus, number two is Texas, and number three is hunting and fishing, right? And so those are three things that I really love, and under Jesus is my family and ministry and all those things, and under Texas, it's just Texas, right? And so, and under hunting and fishing, if it's got four legs and feathers and can't be shot legally, i do it, right? And so... That's what, that's what I love, and, and I'll never forget one spring. Me and my dad went turkey hunting, and, and like I said before, man, Hispanic boys, especially if you're the first one, you're a mama's boy, right? My mom takes care of me, even still. Mijito, come here. Look at me. Mijito, you need to eat more. It's like, mama, I don't need to eat more. I'm trying to work out. Thank you that it looked like I need to eat a little bit. I lost a little bit, right? She's like, Mijito, you need to be nicer. It's like, what are you talking about, mom? I'm, leave me alone, right? It's like, she, come here. He, I was like, don't you touch my face with saliva. And so, and so it, was, it was a spring in West Texas and it was turkey season. And turkey hunting is one of my favorite things to do. And, and in the spring in Texas, you know, the weather can go from, from great to terrible. It could be snowy or sweltering. It, does, it could just be a number of those things. And my mom would always do this. Man, when I was a kid, my, my wife laughs at this all the time. When I was a kid, she would write my name if if I'm found, because she didn't trust my dad to keep track of me, if I'm found, please call me. And she'd write my name, my phone number, put it in my front pocket. And so my dad found it one day. He's like, what is this? I was like, I don't know. Mom gives it to me every time we go out together. <laughs> so, so she would always look at me. I'm I'm 16, 17 years old, and we're, go, we're going turkey hunting. And she grabs me. She says, mijito, you make sure your dad takes care of you. And I was like, okay. You know, I'm like, yeah, he'll be fine. She's like, no, mijito, make sure. He takes care of you. I'm like, okay, mama, I will, you know? And so we go turkey hunting. And I love turkey hunting because turkey hunting is interactive. You know, it's not like deer hunting where you sit in the box and you wait for them to come to your feeder. That's There's no skill to that, really. You know, there's no skill. There's skill in the shot, but there's no skill in bringing them to you. You know, you could catch me easily if you put a steak out there. I Man, every day, <laughs> Ah, again, man, you know I, you could catch me. Either. You put what they need. There's no food source around for miles. You put it in there. Check it out. I'm an awesome hunter. Look at them all. They're all here, right? You're feeding them. That's not, that's not real. But turkey hunting's different. Turkey hunting, you become the turkey. You become, you take on the persona of a hen, right? And 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 in turkey hunting, you're after the gobbler. You're after the males. And so me and my dad, we, you, the way you turkey hunt is, you walk miles. You chase turkeys. It's it's crazy. It's fun. And you wake up before, before the sun's up and you begin to, you, they, they call you to a shock gobble. You scare them. You say, hey, and then they, they gobble, right? And so, so you kind of know where they're at. And once they get off the roost, they get out of the trees, they go on with their day. And you've got to call them in. And so turkey hunting is, is very, it, there's a lot of skill involved in it because turkeys don't have a big brain. They can't fly. They can run. They, when they fly, they're awkward, man. They're, they're really strange when they fly. And, and so they're, they're not good at a lot of things, but what they can do really well is they can see. And so you got to be camouflaged from head to toe, wear the camel net, camel face paint, all that stuff. And when you're calling them in there, you got to be very, very still. And so me and my dad, we get out there, we start chasing them. And the way you call them, you dialogue with turkeys. You call them, you say, hey, I'm over here. And the dude's like, what? Right? And so that's kind of that's what's happening. And so, and so the way you do it's just like this. And the guy will gobble back at you. Look, I'm getting them out. Here we go. And you begin to call them out. And you're doing this while you're sitting with your back to a tree. And we're sitting there, and you're not moving. And you could be calling sometimes for hours. They're talking back to you. You know, and you're like, oh, i got to hurry up. Come on, man. And you're sitting there, and you're not moving. And sometimes you got to go to the restroom. You're like, oh, Lord. And so this one particular time, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden it starts raining a little bit. And I'm like, Dad, we should go. It's raining. He's like, don't be a wuss. I was like, your dad, that's, that's your dad's default to everything. Don't be a baby what's wrong with you, like, oh, dude, don't be a wuss, I was like, all right, man, so we're sitting there getting wet, and it starts raining more, and I was like, Dad, we should go, it's starting to rain more, he's like, you want a bird, I was like, yeah, but it's raining, (laughs) there's another time, he's like, let's see here, just 30 minutes more, that's my dad, my dad will always get you, you'll be stuck with him all day, just 30 more minutes, just 30 more minutes, just 30 more, I was like, dude, stop, dad, and so we're sitting there, and finally, he's like, all right, let's go. After we're soaked, you know, down to your bones, I was like, all right, now we can go. We start walking. I was like, man, we should have left a long time ago. And we're walking through, and I remember my mom telling me in the back of my head, just, mijito, stay safe. Right? And I was like, this is an ominous warning, you know, like what's, hmm, why is this playing out in my brain right now? And we're walking, and all of a sudden, I start to see these, these white pellets start pff, pff, forming on the ground. I was like, man, that rain looks weird, right? And I had a flashback to Forrest Gump. You know, he starts talking about the rain, sideways rain, stinging rain. I was like, I'm in stinging rain, Forrest, right now. It took me a second to realize that, that what I was seeing was hailstones. This pea-sized hail, you know, you just keep going. Well, that pea-sized hail quickly grew to marble, then golf ball. Then we were running. We were at 300 yards from the truck when softball-sized hail is coming down on my dad and I. We are running as fast as we can trying to get to, we put our backpacks over our head and we're hovering down, but it's pelting you in the back and the thigh, you know, I mean, it's just, I've never felt like God hated me. I honestly, I thought God and all the angels got together and said, today's his day and we're going to beat him down with stones, hailstones, right? I was like, oh dude, here we, I mean, it, it just felt like somebody, terrible person is just throwing stuff at you and it's such a scary feeling. You feel helpless against it. There's nothing physically that you can do to stop it. Our best bet was to get to the truck. And a lot of times in life, our circumstances can make us feel that way. So helpless in the midst of the situation. But let me tell you something. According to Romans chapter 8 verse 31, which is our key scripture for this morning. This is what it says here. It says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? It doesn't matter what you're what you're facing this week, what your last week has been, it doesn't matter what text messages, what emails you've gotten. It does not matter if God is for you, then who could be against you let me tell you something right this morning god is with you he is for you and not against you he hasn't conspired with all the creation to figure out today's the day we take them down this is this is this week will we break them no 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 just the opposite he said i'm with you in the midst of it i'm with you in the thick of it it doesn't matter what you go through if you hold tight to me together we will get through this we find ourselves here in acts chapter 16 We've got two guys, as, as, as I love to read scripture to figure out who my characters are. I like to figure out who we're talking about, where they were, what it felt like. Was it hot? Why did he say that? Was there dirt in his sandals? And, and, you know, was the wind blowing really hard? And was it ultra humid? And all these things. I like to figure it out so you can get a context of what's happening. When I was a kid, pop-up books were my favorite books because they, were, they would come alive to me. I was like, Yes. I see that the cat did jump over the moon. I like that. I understand it now, right? And so I love those things. And when I read the Bible, I like to read it in the same way. And so in Acts chapter 16, we've got two guys, Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey. And and what they're doing is in this area they're in, they feel like they need to go to Asia. Like they're trying to get to Asia. Well, they've got problems, you know, getting to Asia. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit resists them when they get there. And so they can't get into Asia, so they say, okay, we'll make, we'll make do with what we've got. It's like me in the United States and saying, we're going to go to Canada now. And so they make their way up there to the border, and, and the Bible says they have problems with their papers. So their passports are expired. You know, like, oh my gosh, dude, you know, it's crazy. And so they, they're running into all these problems, like, well, we'll just kind of try to minister where we're at and do what we do. And Paul has this open. Vision. How many you guys, if the Lord gave you an open vision about what you need to do with your life, you'd be like, Lord, that would make it so much easier for me. Please, Lord, do that for me. Just show me what I need to do. Give me the combination. Give me someone's pen. When I slide my card, millions of dollars just come out of the ATM. Lord, give me that. I'm praying for that right now. Or the Powerball numbers. Lord, just give it to me. Right? So anyways, he has a vision of a man in Macedonia calling out to him, says, somebody come. And he wakes up out of that vision and says, all right, Saul, so let's roll into Macedonia. Where's Macedonia? I don't know, but we're going, right? So they head out to Macedonia, and when they get there, you know, it, it's kind of crazy going somewhere. You don't know anybody. You're like, what are we going to do when we get there? I don't know. We figure out the Lord will provide. And you know, sometimes when you start working for the Lord, it doesn't seem to, to work out the way you would planned always. You know, for some of you stepping out for a small group is a big deal. And the moment you do it, you open your home and say, finally, I'm going to be a small group leader. I'm going to do it. And the moment you do it, you say, all right, small group's on Tuesday. It's on the calendar. I invited everybody. I got seven people that are coming. It's going to be an amazing time. On Monday evening, your air conditioner breaks. Oh. And then it's like you don't want to check it out because when you check it out, it becomes real, you know. Like the house could be on fire, but if your door's closed, it's not really on fire. And so you're like, oh, dude, I don't want to check it out. And then you don't want to, and then you start adding, you're like me, start adding up the cost. Cha-ching, cha-ching, ching, cha-ching, ching, cha-ching. We, we, no, we ain't got no air condition. But you know sometimes when it lines up just right, when you step out and say, Lord, I'm going to do this for you, and all of a sudden it seems like all the pieces begin to fall into place. You, you're going to be a small group leader. You do it. You're going to step out, and all of a sudden you get a raise. Bam. Dang, Lord, well, that's awesome. Or, or all of a sudden you stretch your faith into giving, And you've seen the biggest tax return you've ever seen in your life or a settlement you've been waiting on that's bigger than you ever thought. You say, oh, my gosh, it's the Lord. It works. And Paul and Silas set off to Macedonia. And while they're there, they meet a woman by the name of Lydia who's who's a dealer in purple robe who's a really wealthy individual. And they minister to her, and the Bible says that she's a believer in God, and she invites them to stay with her. If on my first missionary journey I had nowhere to go and all of a sudden I hooked up with, like, the Prince of Abu Dhabi or something like that, and he let me stay with him, I'm like, yep, this is the kind of ministry I want to do. Yes, sir. They, they would be calling me, like, Ubers and all sorts of stuff, like, come pick me up in the Royal Bentley. Yes, sir. Yes. Lord is good. Really good. How good is he? Awesome. He's, like, 68 degrees good, right? And so air-conditioned the whole night, man, he's, he's hooked up with this rich lady. And as he goes out, he must be thinking, this is the Lord. I saw it. I had the vision. Man, I come out here, we didn't know what we were going to do. All my needs are met. i got a great place to stay. I'm not a vagabond anymore. Silas, man, we, this is it. This is the Lord. We could retire here. Fire up the website. We're going we're to launch it right here. P.O. Box, get it all. Start sending out emails from right here. Macedonia is our home. And they go out and they start ministering in the streets of Macedonia. And they're rolling out there. And Paul and Silas, the Bible says, are ministering for a number of days. And there's this little girl that had been following them around. I don't know if you've been followed by an annoying child before, right? But it can get just that annoying, right? My son one time, I, Myrna was like, stop that. My son one time said, Mama, can I tell you something? Twelve times in a row without taking a breath. Mama, can I tell you something? Mama, can I tell you something? And I was, I was just laughing. I was like, Myrna, how many will he go, right? So, so, so we're not neglecting our kids. We're just laughing at the fact that how many will he go would not give up. He's a very persistent child, right? He, he beat Myrna, right? And so, come on, Myrna. And could you imagine that little kid following you around the whole time, just following you around? Hey, hey, Paul and Silas, tell them that story again, right? Shut up. I'm trying to answer the gospel to these people. You know, they're handing out tracks to him going to pray for him As he's praying for him. she might be, like, throwing stuff at him, bringing dogs to him. Look, Paul, pray for the dog. You know, I was like, stop it. Quit it. And the Bible says that he gets so frustrated with this little girl. That he turns around and it has an exclamation point, at it, which means he yelled at her. And he told her, "Uncle spirit, come out. And this little girl, what, what her deal was is that she was, she was a, a soothsayer for these people. She was how they made money. She was Miss Cleo. How many of you guys remember Miss Cleo? Late o'clock at night, Miss Cleo, come Miss Cleo, right? That's kind of what she was. And she made money for these people. And the moment he cast that spirit out of her, all of that was gone. It's like being an Uber driver and all of a sudden somebody just wrecks your car. Your source of income is now gone. And so the people that, that she was a part of are now very, very angry. So much so that they, that they amass a giant mob. You know, they, they bring, bring the mob and sticks, right? And bring the torches. And they, they cr- assemble this mob to come after Paul and Silas. I've never had a mob come after me, but it sounds terrible to have a large group of people that just want you. You know, a lot of us want to be popular and famous, and that's kind of cool. Just not that kind of popular and famous, right? Like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to mount his head forever. Like, no, we don't want to do that, right? So they get Paul and Silas, and they, they bring them out, and they beat them with sticks. They, they get them out, no trial, no jury, nothing. They beat them with sticks. Someone say, that's unfair. Paul and Silas, are, they're there, man. They've been sent out by God. They had the Macedonia call. He had the vision. He's got to be saying, Lord, you're in it. You're in it. You're in it. Then he stays with the lady that's got him hooked up with a nice place to stay. Lord, you're in it. You're in it. You're in it. You're in it. They do a number of days of ministry, and I will assume a lot of people came to know him. A lot of them were healed. And he's saying, you're in it. You're in it. You're in it. And all of a sudden, the brakes get tapped, and you're sitting there getting beat down. And I'm sure Paul and Silas, as they're, as they're getting beaten with these rods, you are thinking, Lord, is this what you had planned? Because let me tell you something, Lord Jesus, what, what, what else is happening to those people, man, it ain't fair what we're going through. It ain't fair what's happening right now. A lot of times you've been there, you've said, it's not fair what's happening to me. It's not fair. After that, we pick it up here in verse 25 in Acts chapter 16. As they marched Paul and Silas to a jail, we'll pick it up here and we'll read in Scripture. This is what it says. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. About midnight, Paul and Silas, they've been in jail for a while. And this isn't, this isn't you know, loose This isn't county jail. This isn't, you know, you know Cush Kush jail. This is crazy jail. This is medieval times jail. This is nuts jail, right? They didn't beat you and then, and then clean you up, stitch you, take you to the infirmary, spend a couple of days chained to a hospital bed, you know, chilling out, eating some good, you know, biscuits and stuff like that. No, as you got beat, put the handcuffs on, let's roll, and they put them in jail. They're sitting there in the, in the inner sanctum of jail, down deep where it's dark, and, and after your body goes through something so traumatic like that, all you want to do is rest. So i imagine Paul and Silas sitting there, and Paul's trying to go to sleep a little bit. And you're hurt, man. You're hurt a lot. And you're sitting in this cold concrete, and put yourself in the prison. Put yourself there with them. And you got wounds, open wounds all over you. I just picture Paul kind of there saying, Silas, we didn't touch my leg. Silas like, Paul, I ain't touching you. Silas, don't lie to me. He's got his eyes closed, just leaning back, trying to sleep. And he looks down, there's a rat just munching on his wing. God, get off me, rat. Get out of here. And then you got crazy dude in the dark. <laughs> You're like, Bro, that ain't, that ain't something's wrong with him, dude. And in the midst of all of that, man, he could have been super angry. He could have been looking at Silas and saying, Silas, what did you do, bro? I told you. You should have done this. And they could have been fighting amongst themselves. But in the midst of that, the Bible says at midnight after they'd been in jail for some time, and they begin to sing and begin to praise God. As you look at it and you read it, there's nothing that they could, man, Now, nothing I'd be grateful for. There's nothing like, Lord, I want that. As I, man, Lord Jesus, I want to get beat with sticks so bad, and be put in prison. Oh, dude, I just want to do that, Lord, for you. Please, I want that. No one desires that. And as I look at it in the physical, I say there's nothing good there's nothing good in that. But Paul and Silas about midnight begin to sing Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Come on, Silas. Yeah, I know that one. Paul. Little wants to him be long. They are weak, but he is strong. Come on, everybody. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. At midnight, you got that going on. If I was an inmate in there, I'd be super angry. Go to bed! Singing Jesus songs. Crazy. God, crazy, dude. You know what I'm saying? I'd be super mad if I was a hardened criminal. Shut up! Go to bed. Figuring out a way to choke him out with my chains. I'm going to get out of here, boy. I'm going to choke you out. And about midnight, this is what it says in verse 26. It says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The hardened criminal that was in the bag was like, sing it again, right? You know, do more. And at midnight, in the midst of their darkest hour, instead of belly aching and, and, and complaining, they chose to pray and praise. See, sometimes your promise is on the other side of the pain. Sometimes what the Lord's got for you is just on the other side of your pain. And a lot of times we'll quit in the middle of it and say, Lord, you gave me a vision. This is not what you showed me. This is not either you're a liar or I missed it. And I assure you, he's not a liar. And so you look at it, you say, Lord, where are you in the midst of these things? And as they begin to pray and praise in the midst of their difficulty, the Lord does a miracle for them. And this is what happens here in verse 27. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open... He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. If you have a job or if you fail and you have to kill yourself, get a new job, right? And so I'd be dead like nine times already. He's like, oh, dude, uh, I'm just going to leave. And so anyways, verse 28, Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Verse 30. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In verse 31, they replied, Believe the Lord and, uh, uh, believe the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. In verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, verse 34, and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy, Because he has come to believe in God, he and his whole household. See, the Macedonian man was that jailer right there. Let me tell you something. Paul's street ministry during the day would have missed the jailer at night. Because obviously his work hours were at night. At midnight, he was working the jail. During the day, he was sleeping. God gave Paul the vision, but he didn't tell him how exactly it was going to happen. He said, this is the end result. This is what you're going for. But it took Paul to get into a spot that he didn't want to go, to receive and get what God had already given him to get. And so a lot of times we'll miss it because it doesn't look like what we want it to look like. It doesn't fit what, what we say it needs to be. And the moment we run into difficulty, we say, Lord, you're not in it. We give up and stop. We'll say, that's not fair. There's three things I want you guys to take away with dealing with, with the unfairness of life, of dealing with it. If you're prepared for it, it's easier to deal with it. There's three things I want you guys to write down, take down on dealing with the unfairness of life. And the first one is a big one, revelation. It's this right here, life is not Fair. Life isn't fair. If you expect to go through life that tip for tat, everything, you get one, I get one, you get one, I get one, guess what? You'll be so frustrated with life. If you're prepared for it, then you better know how to accept it and to receive it. I'll never forget my first wake up call at, at life when I was an adult. As a teenager, you deal with things that are unfair. You know, you, but it's different than when you're an adult. It's way different when you're an adult. The responsibility you carry. As a man, as a young married man, trying to be the man of God for my house and, and hear vision for, for us and leadership and, and trying to navigate all of those things. In my heart, there's, there's two things I always wanted to be. Number one was a minister. Number two was a father. And in August of that year, we had, we had gotten pregnant. It was in August. We were so excited to be expecting our first baby. And in October, I was speaking at a, at a missions conference in, in northern Minnesota. I'll never forget where I was when I received the phone call from my wife. A phone call I didn't expect, a phone call that I didn't, wasn't even on my radar, nothing I would think of. As a naive young husband and father, my wife calls me and she says, Jonathan, we're losing our baby. I said, What do you mean we're losing our baby? She says, if we're losing our baby. I, th- I think we're losing our baby. I said, well, let's pray. Let's have faith. Come on, let's pray. And so we started praying. And we started believing. And as the day went on, more text messages and phone calls began to come. And she said, we're losing our baby. We're losing our baby. That night, I was scheduled to speak to all of the, all the leaders of that church to share about faith. When you're staring down... Sharing about the goodness of God while your baby in the womb is losing life. It's very hard. I get a text message and a phone call from my wife about 11.15 at night. She says, I'm at the hospital. We lost our baby. It's over. The way my heart broke, the hurt I felt, the mix of emotions, the anger, the confusion, I just began to share. I said, Lord, I began to just yell on my pillow. Got back to my room that night, just yell on my pillow, Lord, I'm serving you. And I'm sacrificing for you. Lord, there's people that are having babies that don't even want them. I, all I've dreamed of being was a minister and a father, and all of a sudden, that's being ripped from me. Lord, it's not fair that this is happening. And I began to just cry out. I say, Lord, it's not fair. What's happening? I get home, and I get to my wife, and for a couple days all we do is cry man for like a thousand knives in my heart and as I just begin to pray and process it all I say Lord where are you in the midst of this you've got to be here somehow Lord if you're not then what are we doing and the Lord just began to speak to me and he says he said John did you hold that baby and I said no I never never held that baby He said did you, did you ever look that baby in the eye I said no I said, but you love that baby. I said, absolutely, that was my baby. He says, why did you love that baby? I said, because it it had my DNA, had the characteristics of me. He says, Jonathan, have we ever looked in the eye? I said, no, sir, we haven't. He said, have I ever held you and touched you? I said, physically, no, you haven't. He says, you know why I love you? I said, why? He says, because you've got my characteristics, and my DNA. You were mine. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, man, it's not fair. Life isn't fair. But let me tell you something. In the midst of that horrible, terrible thing, man, I found the Lord in it. I don't understand why it happens. I don't know why bad things happen. I don't. But this is what Scripture says here in Matthew five forty five, It says that he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. Let me tell you something, man, bad things happen and great things happen. Let me tell you, life isn't fair. But with Jesus, we've got hope in it all. Second thing I want you to write down and take down is this. In dealing with the unfairness is you have to find a way to praise in the midst of the pain. you got to find something good in the midst of it all. I don't know what Paul and Silas found. I I have no idea. Maybe maybe Silas was some kind of geologist or something and knew that they were sitting on a fault line and knew that if they reached a certain level of decibels, that it would start to shake, and the Lord would hear them and do a miracle. Maybe he noticed stress cracks by the doors and said, Paul, if we sing loud enough, we can shake that thing loose. I don't know. But let me tell you something. They found something in the midst of the pain to praise about. You know what I think it was? I think it was hope that Paul said, hey, look, man, the Macedonian man, we haven't found him, and he's still yet to be found. The Lord gave me that vision. My life does not end here. It doesn't end on on their watch. The Lord controls my destiny, what I do. And so, look, man, this is only something we're passing through. Once we get this Macedonian man, we're coming for you, Macedonian man. I don't know what it was that encouraged Paul, but somehow he found in the midst of that terrible, terrible situation, he found a way to praise in the midst of the pain. If we're going to make it through the unfairness of life, because life is totally unfair, you've got to find a way to praise in the midst of the pain. If you do not, you'll find yourself complaining through the whole thing. Find yourself with a terrible attitude that not only sours you, but sours everybody around you. My dad would tell me this all the time. Son, if you want to have a bad time, guess what? You will get it, guaranteed. I'm like, dude, you're right, Dad. I am having a bad time. You change your attitude. Guess what? You get exactly what you put in and out of it you got to find a way to praise in the midst of the pain. The third thing I want you guys to write down is this right here. It says your route through pain may be the one someone else takes to redemption. The, the, The path of your pain, the route you've walked, the hard times you've traversed, could be the same path someone takes to redemption. See, at the end of that passage, Paul and Silas meet the jailer, the Macedonian man that he had the vision about. If Paul wouldn't have been beat down, put in that prison, maybe he could have gone without the beating, right? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the beating was a little something extra. Maybe, maybe the guy was a doctor in his spare time and really knew how to tend to his wounds. I don't know. But let me tell you something. If Paul wouldn't have walked through what he walked through with Silas, he would have never met the man. The man benefited from Paul's blood, sweat, and tears through that thing. He reaped that. Man, what Paul paid for, he was able to get. I'm so thankful for pastors Adam and Miss Jamie. Man, they've paid for a lot. They've walked through a road of pain. When we had lost our, our baby, Pastor Adam and Miss Jamie, man, they sat with us. And their road to pain was able to bring us some redemption, be able to, to walk us through that and say, hey, man, it's not the end. Let me tell you something. They just began to coach us through that and walk us through those things. Your story what you're going through, the pain that you felt and endured. Let me tell you something, it's not it's not for not, it's not for for just something that happened. Let me tell you something, man. That road of pain, many times, will be the path someone takes to redemption. If you want, I'm gonna close with this, man. At the end of that hailstorm, with me and my dad, made it to the truck and and we drove into the deer camp and we're sitting there, and everybody's assessing the damage. Is it destroyed trailers and? And all sorts of stuff did a lot of damage. Softball-sized pieces of ice. As I begin to walk around and kind of, you know, survey things and check everything out, man, I was always walking around. It Looked like the Earth was like the Moon. There's craters everywhere. It's like, oh, this is wild and crazy. Tree branches busted everywhere. I was walking around. I'd see these these patches of Earth, and were so hard. It'd been dry for so long. No no water had settled on it. There were baked pieces of soil pretty much. And no vegetation could grow on it because the seed couldn't get down in it. And I was walking around and I began to notice like, oh my gosh, there's crazy big old holes in the ground. The Lord just began to say, he said, hey man, you see these these hard baked spots? Said, yeah, he says, you know what? You know why I had to bring that hard hail? I said, why? He says, Well I could break that stuff up. He because there's nutrients underneath that. But man, that that earth had been so baked and hardened that hell comes down and breaks that stuff. Now a spot that once could never sustain life can now sustain life. Those things that you walk through, let me tell you something, man, sometimes it's breaking and shaking things off of you. Man, generational curses of, of depression, you've walked in and, and things like that. Lord's trying to shake those things off of you so what's once a dead spot is now a spot that could sustain life. If you would stand across the room this morning as we close out and pray, and I challenge you to close your eyes and, And by your heads, create a private moment with your spot. Just with yourself right there, right where you're at. And this morning, we talked about the unfairness of life. And how about sometimes it just, it's just not fair. It's not. Sometimes you look at it and say, why do they have it and I don't? Or why did this terrible thing happen to me and not them? Let me tell you something. I don't have the answer to that question. I don't. But I do know this according to Romans 8, 31. If God is for you, then who could be against you? This morning, as as we pray and we start closing out service, man, if you say, Pastor Jonathan, man, I, I feel like I'm in that. Man, I'm in the throes of life. And I feel like, like, everything's kind of turning against me, man. I feel like I'm in that season. where, God, where are you? Just seems, seems so unfair. You look at it and you say, why is it like this? Why is it like that? Let me tell you something about Paul and Silas, man. At About midnight, man, they were praying. Don't give up hope. Don't quit on God right now. Keep seeing it through. He'll sustain you through it. He'll, he'll give you the power to go through it. Come on, you got the vision. Though. Some of you guys, the Lord's awakened a vision that he's given you when you were younger that you, that you gave up on. It was too hard. You say it's too far out. Lord's bringing that back to you. He's awakening that thing back in you. If you'd be honest with yourself and honest with me right where you have no one looking around, you say, Pastor John, that's me. Would you please pray for me, man? I feel like I'm in the throes of, of the unfairness. I feel like I'm in the midst of like, man, just the mess. If that's you, I just want to pray for you right where you're at. So if you would, just, just lift your hand forward just so I know who you are. you would be honest with this. So that's me and Pastor Jonathan. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. I see hands all across. The room. Anybody else say, Pastor Jonathan, please pray for me. Before we close out, I want you to pray for me. Anybody else? Give you five more seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Hands all across the room. That's what I want you to do. If you lifted your hand, sometimes our faith, man, needs a little bit of action. So without embarrassing you or making you do anything crazy, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand over your heart. And as I pray over you, I want you just to to proclaim that situation. The Lord knows what it is, and so do you. But sometimes when we say it out loud, sometimes we can think it all day long, Lord, take care of this, Lord, take care of this. But when you say it out loud, say, Lord, I give this to you. As the Lord breathed life into Adam, that something came alive. And, amen, your breath carries power. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. When you speak that thing out, I believe you speak life into it. So as I pray for you, I just want you under your breath just to cover that situation. Whatever it may be, whatever, a health issue, a money issue, whatever it may be, just begin to declare the Lord's victory over that as we pray. Here we go. Jesus, we love you, Lord, and I thank you, Father God. Lord Jesus, that you haven't sabotaged us, that you haven't set us up for failure, that you're not some big, terrible God looking down on us saying, ha-ha, look how they make it. But, Father God, exact opposite, Lord Jesus. Father God, that you were for us and not against us. You sent your only son to die and be be beaten on a cross, Father God, only to resurrect on the third day for us, Lord Jesus so that we can have life and life abundantly, Father God. I pray right now for every situation, Father God, whether it be medical, financial, Father God, physical condition, whatever it may be, Lord Jesus, Father God, if they feel they're on their last inch of rope, Father God, let them know that their midnight hasn't come yet. Let them know, Father God, remind them, Lord Jesus, to continue to praise in the midst of the pain. That Father God, even though it may hurt not to give up, Lord Jesus, to keep going on, Father God, give them glimpses of the vision that you gave them, Father God. They're Macedonia man, Father God. The thing that you, gave them, that you gave them to wake up in the morning, Father God, the thing that drives them. Remind them of that, Lord Jesus. Father God, and in those moments, you just, just sustain them, Father God. Lord, we love you, Jesus. I thank you, you haven't quit on us. I thank you. you, haven't walked out on us. But, Father God, you're in the midst
1: everything that we're doing in Jesus name come on if you just keep your head bowed for just a moment I want to give an opportunity if you're in this place today and you're away from God you're not sure if you died today if you'd go to heaven you don't have to leave here with that insecurity the Bible is very clear if you'll confess with your mouth that's what what, uh, Paul told the jailer he said just confess with your mouth believe in your heart That He is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, that He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You say, Well, what do I have to do? Well, that's the beauty, is that Jesus did it all. All the sin that you've ever committed, all the sin you're gonna commit, He's already He's already paid that forward when He died on that cross. You and I have to access that forgiveness by humbling ourselves and admitting we need a Savior. And confessing Him as our Lord, our forgiveness, our retribution is upon Him instead of upon us. And today, if you're here in this place and and, and you're not a Christian, but you want to be, I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of making Jesus your Lord. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but you know, just life happened. You know, I look up, here I am now, and I, I just, I don't know, I don't know what happened. Friend, I've been there. It was shameful. I was embarrassed of it. But I tell you what I did. I didn't let my pride get in the way. And I, I humbled myself. And I said, Lord, forgive me. Come back into my life. And I, and I opened the door back to the Lord in my life. And I want you to have that privilege today as well. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God, I want to pray with you. I'm, I'm going to get you to lift your hand here in a second. And admit that to yourself. And to the Lord, you need that bold action. But I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. This is a private decision, although it be in a public setting. But in this moment, you need to determine, do I want God in my life? And, and I'm, am I willing to humble myself to receive what he did for me by sending his son Jesus? With no one looking around, if this is you. I'm speaking to you. God's tugging at your heart. We've all been there. And this is your moment. Will you respond? No one's looking around. If you want Jesus in your life. You're ready to commit your life to him and make him the Lord of your life. I want you to quickly throw your hand up. Say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Make sure I see it. Throw it up there real good. There you go. God bless you. Put it back down. God bless you, sweet love. Thank you, sir. Amen. Anyone else? Give you about two more seconds. Pray for me, Pastor. It's my time. I'm ready to serve the Lord. I'm tired. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. No one's looking. Meet you in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Thank you. God bless you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer, just a prayer of repentance. I don't think there's anything magical about the words. I think what's supernatural. is You're here. You wanted God. This has, been, this has been coming for some time now. And you're ready. You're ready to serve him. And I'm just going to lead you in a prayer, just kind of like if we were at a party. And I grabbed my best friend, Jesus. And I grabbed you, my new friend. And I brought you over. And I introduced the two of you. And you guys became friends. That's what's about to happen through this prayer is you and Jesus becoming friends and Him being the Lord of your life. In fact, I'm going to everyone in the audience to pray this out loud with you. But those who lifted your hand, I, I need you to mean this with all of your heart. So let's say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Here and now, in front of everyone and in front of heaven, I declare Jesus is my Lord. I thank you now for your forgiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for those who lifted their hands. Lord, they meant that with all their heart. They were hungry to know you. Lord, they don't want religion. They don't want rules and regulations. They want a relationship with you. So, Jesus, I just thank you that as they walk out today, they'll sense the peace that comes from having a right relationship with you. Lord, it's a new relationship. It's it's gonna. They're going to have bumps and bruises along the way, but, Lord, they're going to learn you. And I pray the Holy Spirit would so fill them in this moment that they would be so enthralled with the, with the Spirit of the living God who will train them and teach them. Lord, I pray against all the old thoughts, well, yeah, yeah, but you're going to mess up again. But it's not about messing up. It's about being best friends with you. And all the messing up, if you will, all the sin, if you will, all the old habits, they'll just begin to peel away. Lord, let life come to our people and come to them now in Jesus' name. Heal their hearts, heal their wounds because you've forgiven our sins. And we bless you in this moment in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, Amen and Amen.